Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We doing all right? All right. I know I've been up here a couple of times already. That's not normally the case. But uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here and glad that you braved the weather, braved the roads, uh, and, and made it out uh, of your house, and you didn't want to just kind of get a few more hours of sledding in before it all melts. Uh, and I think it's supposed to be like 80 degrees on Tuesday, so we're excited about living in the South. So, no, but man, I'm so excited that you're here. And, and I've said this for the last few weeks. I actually uh, posted on Facebook the other day, and I said, you know, I feel like a little bit like a broken record uh, because I've been saying this for a while, and, and, and I, I'm done apologizing for it. But I'm really excited for what God's doing at Canton Church right now. Uh, I'm so excited. And you're getting to see a little bit today of what it looks like. But if you couldn't tell, and we've tried to mention it a few times, we're smack dab in the middle of construction season here. Uh, And if you couldn't tell when you came into this room, you probably could tell by all the dust throughout the rest of the building. We tried to clean it and get it cleaned. And it doesn't matter because it's just just construction season. On the other end of the building, there are new rooms that have been created, framed in uh, to create office space so that our current offices can be classrooms for kids, uh, for our Kids Life Extra environment and for life group space. But it's just really, really exciting. And in this room, what we're going to be able to do is tomorrow morning, first thing, This wall is coming down. Tear down that wall. So it's going down. Not all of you will get that reference. It's fine. Google it. Um, And then here's what they tell me, okay? I'm a preacher, not a contractor. Here's what they tell me. They're going to jack this stage up and move it 20 feet back. Now, I I don't know. It scares me a little bit because I feel like the first Sunday I'm standing on it, it's going to fall. But... They tell me it's not, uh, but they're going to move this back. So when you come in next Sunday and over the next few Sundays, it's going to look a little bit like a war zone. Uh, We'll have the stage back next Sunday, but we won't have finished flooring and it'll kind of walls will be half finished or unfinished. But here's what, why that's okay. Okay. Here's why that's okay. It's okay because it really speaks to the season that we're in here because what's happening is we moved into this building less than two years ago. And in these two years, a lot of you that are here this morning have come to find Canton Church to be your home. And here's what we know. There are other people just like you, friends and family members that you have, people that you've never met that want to come to a place like this and find an experience like this on a Sunday or during the week to our students or our kids or in a life group space. And so we want to create space for them. What we've been saying for a while is that we believe, and it's been true thus far, Wherever we create empty space, God fills it. And so what we want to do is continue to create empty space for God to fill. And so we're creating space for new chairs in this room so that more families can come and find life in Christ and God-centered homes here. And so more students can be reached and more children can be reached. That's what we're all about is helping people find life in Christ. And so we're so excited and so we're thankful that we get to come and kind of be in process here because all of us are in process. And so I'm excited that we get to just for a few Sundays, it kind of looks a little weird and is a little weird and that's okay. So we'll just kind of keep smiling. I love the fact that some of the folks that normally attend at 930 or serve at 930, uh, I had two people specifically that told me, said, man, I don't even know all these people that attend at 11 o'clock. I'm not even sure what's happening. And here's what I've said for a while and I'll continue to say, we want to make it impossible, impossible for you to know everybody that attends Canton Church. And that's not because we we don't want you to know people. We want you to know everybody in your life group. 
We want you to know everybody that sits around you most Sundays. We want you to know everybody on your serving team. But we believe that as God continues to grow this church, it will grow bigger than your ability to know everybody. And so when we have two services and three services and four services, and we have different buildings and different facilities, it's not just so we can do bigger versions of what we already are. It's so that we can increase the impact that God is calling us to here in this community to reach more people. Because we're not in competition with any other church in town. We're in competition with the enemy who wants to destroy marriages and destroy families and destroy students and destroy children. And so we are going to do everything that we can to change that narrative for these families and these people. And so if you're not a part of this already, we encourage you to give. I know some of you are contemplating year in giving. We'll talk about the offering at the end of our services. But as your business or you personally, you're trying to figure out all the ways that you can maximize the benefits of giving to the church before the end of the year, we encourage you to consider above your tithes and offerings to give to the building fund so that you can help to fund what God's doing here because it's really, really exciting. And it's really exciting in this season because it's almost Christmas. You know, I said in the month of December that one of my favorite holidays was Thanksgiving because it's the Super Bowl of eating. But I got to be honest, I eat pretty well at Christmas too. And I love it. I love eating and I love family and I love gifts. And, and I don't know if your family was anything like my family growing up, but pretty much once we got to about October, my mom wouldn't buy me anything. She told me to put everything on my Christmas list. It's like, mom, I need some new toothpaste. She's like, put it on your Christmas list. Mom, I need some new socks. Put it on your Christmas list. Like nothing after like October got bought because it was all going to Christmas. But then, so I've, I've kind of picked that up. My, my kids the other day were asking for pencils for school. I'm like, put it on your Christmas list. I, I don't, we don't, we don't buy things for you after, you know, the, the second quarter of the year. I'm not really sure. But man, Christmas is exciting. So today and next Sunday and Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate Christmas here at Canton. And we're going to look at the Christmas story and we're going to try to look at the Christmas story in a little bit of a different way than maybe we do on a regular basis. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to flip with me to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, most of these scriptures today will be up on the screen. And I'm actually going to look at several scriptures um, that are not just a part of the Christmas story, but are really just kind of scripturally where we're at um, today. But Luke chapter 2 is probably the most famous telling of the Christmas story. If your grandfather or your uncle or your dad or maybe your friend or maybe when you turned on a Christmas special on TV... This is often where people will turn to read the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. And so this is the place where we see that Caesar Augustus called for all the citizens to come and to be taxed. And so Mary and Joseph set out on their way to go uh, to where uh, Joseph had to be taxed. And we pick it up here in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. This is what we read. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, I mentioned when I was a kid earlier, I, I wasn't one of those kids that was like scared of everything. I had a friend that was scared of like his own shadow. That wasn't me. I, I wasn't a scaredy cat. Uh, and if you called me one, I'd punch you. I mean, I, I wasn't scared of everything. But if anything scared me, it was the dark at night in my bedroom. 
I can't explain it, but when I would lay down at night, it doesn't matter how good the day had been, it doesn't matter how awesome everything had been up through dinner time and finishing homework and whatever it was, when I laid down in my bed and my mom or my dad would turn off the lights and they would turn around and say, hey, love you, and I could see a little bit of light out in the hallway, and I'd watch as their shadow kind of left where I was at in my room at the end of the hallway as they headed towards their room, there was just something that kind of came into the room that didn't seem like it had been there before, and it was just this fear. It was just a fear that kind of came in. Now, not every single night did it keep me awake. Not every single night did it cause me to have nightmares. But I remember, and some of you probably do as well, that fear that just kind of, it almost laid down in the bed with you. Every little noise was somebody breaking into the house, right? Every little creak of your bed frame was the monster getting out from underneath the bed. He'd been hiding there evidently all day long, waiting on you to lay down, and now he's getting out from under the bed. And even now... Corey and I have four kids, and there, there's a lot of nights, more than I care to admit, where one of those four kids ends up in my bed or in my bedroom because they had a nightmare, they heard something, they were afraid. There's just something about the night. Well, that's the context of the story of the angel showing up. It's at night. Shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock at night. And all of the sudden, take all the the Christianese and the Bible that you know out of the equation for a second, and just think you're just normal shepherds watching your flock, just kind of walking around in the middle of the desert. Nothing ever happens. Nothing exciting ever happens. It's just watching your sheep, just hanging out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the night. You're about to go build a fire, lay down, sleep a few hours before you get up and do the same thing tomorrow. And all of the sudden, an angel appears out of nowhere in the sky. And then there's a bright light. And then the most obvious scripture in all the Bible is recorded when it says they were terrified. Obviously. I would have been terrified. I mean, you're just walking around in the desert and an angel shows up and a bright light and the angel starts talking to you. But notice the very first words that the angel says to these shepherds. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And in a few minutes when you get back in your car and you're trying to figure out with those that came with you today what you want for lunch and no one will decide and they just say, oh, it's up to you, I don't care. And then you say something and they're like, I don't want that. So they actually care. <laughs> Maybe that's just our family. When you get in your car and have that conversation and you don't remember anything else that I said, I want you to remember this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In case you missed it the first couple of times, don't be afraid. Here's the real question for all of us today. What are you actually afraid of? What are you afraid of? Like, what is it that you're scared of? What is it that I'm afraid of? I'm going to let it hang for a second because I want you to think about it. For most of us in the room, it's probably not monsters under the bed anymore, but maybe for some of us it is. Maybe you're a grown adult and you don't want to go to the basement and turn the lights off after everybody lays down. It's okay. It's okay to admit that. But maybe, maybe it's your health. Maybe you've got fears about your personal 
health or the health of somebody that you love. Maybe it's about your family, your kids. Maybe they live in your home or maybe they don't, but you're afraid for your kids. You're afraid for your family in general. Maybe you're afraid for your marriage. Maybe you're afraid for your future. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's job security. I don't know what it is for you, but what are you afraid of? What is it that if I, if I really kind of drill down on it for all of us today, that you would finally admit, here's what I'm afraid of. Here, here's my fear. Here's my biggest fear. Now let me ask you another question. Why are you afraid of those things? Why are you afraid of the things that you are afraid of? I would contend today that most of the things that you're afraid of, most of the things that I'm afraid of, are the things that we can't control. The things that are out of our control. They're the, they're the hidden monsters. They're the things that we, we don't have control over. We're not really sure where they come from or how they're going to happen or what's going to happen or how the details are going to come together. And so we're afraid, but it's really not a, it's not even a fear as much as it is just a fear because we can't control making those things happen. We can't control our health. We can't control or make our kids be good. We can't know our future. Someone else controls our paycheck or someone else controls our job status. Often the things that we're most afraid of are the things that are out of our control. And that's some of the context that the angel shows up and declares to them, do not be afraid. This was a world that the angel stepped into where God's people did not have control. Control belonged to Caesar Augustus. We read that in the beginning of Luke chapter 2, or at least I told you that, and you can read it for yourself. Caesar Augustus, Rome is in control. God's people are not in control. The, the reason that Jesus' ministry, when he actually kind of takes control of the disciples and he starts walking around and teaching and doing these miracles and doing good things, the reason that it resonated with a lot of people in that day and time that followed after him is because they thought when he talked about the kingdom of God, when th they thought when he started talking about establishing a kingdom, that he was coming to establish a kingdom right then with an actual throne to overthrow Rome. And they're like, I'm going to get on board with that. Because they weren't in control. It was a world in chaos, at least for the people of God. They were under someone else's rule. Also for the people of God, God himself had stopped talking to them. You read through the Old Testament, and what you find is this incredible narrative of God's people being in captivity, brought out of captivity, ruling themselves, allowing others to rule over them, but then coming back to find life in Christ, find life in God at that point in the Old Testament, and the prophets and the judges, those are the people that God's using to declare the truths to the people of God. And then something happens. The Old Testament, the way that you and I read it, the way that it is compiled, is not in chronological order. There are stories that are happening in the prophets, the minor and major prophets, which really are just kind of the size of the books for the most part. The way that they're cataloged there, they overlap with one another. So the way the prophets are uh, brought together in the Old Testament, they're actually telling the story of some things that are happening in previous books. And so if you stack them on top of each other, you really come to the end of the story and the end of God's prophetic words to his people somewhere around the end of the book of Nehemiah. Even though there are other things that are recorded in the Old Testament, you come to the, book of the, end, uh, the end of the book of Nehemiah and God stops talking to his people for 400 years. 400 years. Now some of you guys are old, but nobody's 400 years old in here. That's a long time. 400 years, God goes silent until we get to Luke chapter 1. 
and an angel shows up and says to Mary, you're going to supernaturally conceive a child that will be the gift of God, the Savior of the world. And then in Luke chapter 2, an angel shows up again to tell a group of shepherds, hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Unto you this day is born a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. But for everybody else, they didn't know what was going on. God was still silent. Unless you were in the field with the shepherds or unless you were standing near Mary when the angel showed up or unless Mary told you or Joseph told you or the shepherds told you on the way to the manger, you didn't have a clue that the scenario had changed. It still seemed like it was chaos. It still seemed out of order. It still seemed like God was silent and you had no clue. And here's the reality for every person in this room. If your life feels like it's chaotic, if your life feels like God is silent right now, it could be that God is working and he just hasn't told you yet. Maybe he's working in your circumstances, but he's working on the other side of the desert. He's working in the circumstances that you can't see him working out yet because other people that needed a savior weren't told the same night that the shepherds were told, but it doesn't mean that God wasn't working. He was working all along. He was working in the 400 years where he seemed silent, setting the stage for the people of God to be ready, to be ready for the savior of the world to come. And here's what I want all of us to know today. Your fear doesn't make you fragile. It forces you to trust something. It doesn't actually force you to trust something. It actually rises up out of us what we have been trusting. Fear doesn't make you fragile. It just reveals where you put your trust, where I put my trust. Because you think about the things that we're afraid of, why are we afraid of those things? Maybe because it's a lack of control, or maybe it's because we trust the reports of the doctors, or we, were tr we trust the paycheck-to-paycheck -paycheck living that we find ourselves in, or we trust our 401k, or we trust the ability of our counselor to help us stand one another long enough to keep this thing together to get the kids out of the house. We're trusting in something. So the question today becomes, who or what are we trusting as it relates to our fears. You know, Corey and I joke a lot around our house. If I'm doing something and she tries to help me because I need help, I need lots of help. And I say, no, 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 I got this. I got it. I know how to do this. She'll say, okay, that's your control issue right there. That's your control issue. And I say the same thing to her. When she's doing something and I try to help her because obviously I know why she's not experiencing the success that she's seeking in that moment because I know She's like, no, no, I've, I've got it. Give me just a second. I'm like, okay, so you just got some control issues flaring up today, right? We joke about that all the time. But the reality for all of us is that we all have some control issues in our life. It's not even really control issues. It's trust issues. So many of us, myself included, if we're not careful, we fall into a pattern where we trust ourselves to work things out in our life. We trust God enough as much as it still depends on us a lot. We trust ourselves. We trust in our own abilities. We trust our own diet and exercise plan to keep us healthy. We trust in our own ability to keep our kids close enough that they won't find trouble on their own. We trust ourselves. It's our own control issues, but I got news for you today, and you're not going to like it. You're going to be sorely disappointed because you and I cannot control everything. We can't control all the different pieces of our lives and all the different circumstances. And so if we think about most of the things that we're afraid of, it's really control issues. 
Here's the other reality about our fears. I tried to make this an absolute statement, and I think it almost is. But I'm not going to say absolutely because somebody will meet me in the lobby and say, I'm going to give you an example, and I don't want to do that today. I think almost everything we're afraid of doesn't exist in our past, and it doesn't exist in our present. They all exist in our future. If you think about the things that you're afraid of, even if they involve present circumstances, the actual fear part of it is about what you don't yet know or what you have not yet experienced. And so it's not about your past. It's not about your present. It's about your future. You get a call from the doctor and they want you to come back in because the last test showed something and they're not really sure. Well, that's present information, but your fear is about what is unknown, what may be found you hear that they may be laying off people at your job in January. Your fear is in January, not in today. You know, your kids have gotten to the point where they're hanging out with people that you don't know. And you don't know who they are, and they don't seem like good folks when you're around them. And so your fear is that maybe those kids, those people may lead your kids into something that you would never want to be a part of their story. Your fear is what's unknown. Your fear is about their future. Your fear is about their tomorrow. You fear for their ability to make right decisions. You and your husband or your wife are fighting like you've never fought before. And your fear is that you're going to be just like your mom and dad, just like other people in your family tree. You fear divorce may be looming. It's not about your past. It's not about your present. Most all of our fears are future tense. Well, Jesus addressed this early on in his ministry in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but in verse 27, and then we'll jump to verse 34, he says this, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The root word here for worry in both of these verses is the same word we get for anxious to really be weighted down or troubled with care about something. So he's saying, listen, can you add one single hour to your life? What he's saying is, can you change the circumstance just by being anxious about it, just by worrying about it, just by being afraid about it? No. So leave the fears of tomorrow in tomorrow. You can't do anything about those just by worrying about them, by being afraid. So just leave them in tomorrow, and when you get there, they'll still be waiting on you. Those circumstances will still be there. Leave them there. Your worry isn't an active problem solver. It's a passive tormentor. There's another verse we'll read in a few minutes in 1 John chapter 4, but it says that fear has torment. And if you've ever been afraid, that monster under your bed torments you. The fears that you have about your future or your finances or your family or your job, if it consumes you, it torments you. And worrying about it and being afraid about it and being anxious about it doesn't actually solve anything. It just makes you more afraid. I call it like the, the cycle of fear. It just seems like the more we fear and we talk about it and we worry about it and we think about it and we, we just kind of keep going down in this endless spiral where we're afraid. Whenever I'm meeting with people, I'm not a licensed counselor, but people come often kind of seeking some pastoral advice, and I'll meet with them to see if it's something I can help with before possibly referring them to some outside resources that are 
better equipped for their circumstances. But when I hear people that come in and they talk about their fear and their fear and their fear and their fear and their fear, and they say, I've prayed about it and I pray about my fear and I pray about my fear and don't hear what I'm not saying. I believe in prayer. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But sometimes we pray ourselves into worrying more because we're not praying about or to God that can fix it. We're just praying about the fear. And so we just say, God, I want you to fix this fear. And here's what I'm afraid of. And here's why I'm afraid of it. And here's what I think is going to happen. And oh gosh, and by the time we get done praying, we're worse off than when we started. Fear has torment. It's one of the tools of the enemy to take our mind and distort everything that we're a part of so that we miss the God who has overcome the world. Our future makes us fearful. But I didn't just come today with bad news. It's Christmas after all. Like I came with good news of great joy for all the people. The angel already said it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And here's what I know. Some of you today are looking at me and saying, yeah, that sounds great. I wish I wasn't afraid. I wish I could stop being afraid. So Jeremy, other than just yelling at me not to be afraid, what do you got? Well, let me tell you what I got. The story of God, the narrative of so many places throughout Scripture is that admonition not to be afraid. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the gospel writers to the prophets to the psalmists, do not be afraid. Let me give you a few examples. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus speaking says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or worried or anxious or fearful and do not be afraid. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety or your fear on him because he cares for you. And the verse we read a few minutes ago, 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. John is writing to say, Listen, if you truly understood the love of God, if you could grasp how deep and how wide and how long the love of God is toward you, you would have nothing to be afraid of. I quote it all the time. I didn't really understand this part of God until I became a father. But if the scriptures are to be believed, and I believe that they are, and God is a loving heavenly father who wants good gifts for his children who desires good things for his children, who has a plan for his children, he's not going to scare you on purpose. He's not going to scare you on purpose. He's not just going to give you a little piece of information that is going to torment you. No, because perfect love casts out fear. 
Fear hath torment, and he is not going to torment you. He loves you. God's love for us is deep and wide. It is there for you today. It is there for you tomorrow. It is the only certain thing in a world of uncertainty. God loves you. God is with you. God is in control, and he has a plan, and he always has. And if you don't believe me, look at the scripture we just read in Luke chapter 2. In a world of chaos, in a world ruled by others that did not seem to be the people of God, verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, verse 14, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. If you weren't sure before you came in today, you can be 100% confident of this truth. Christmas should be the most peaceful, peace-filled, peace-creating season of your life because it proves that God will not let you stay in a season of chaos for very long. He offers the solution to your circumstances. He offers peace when you are afraid. He offers peace when you are afraid. One of my favorite passages is found in Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to ask the band to come. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Many of you can quote it. It says this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you're afraid of anything, anxious about anything, what the writer here of Philippians says is just present it to God. Present that fear, that anxiousness to God. Say, God, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm afraid of. Here's what I'm fearful of. With, with, with prayer and petition, that means you can cry it out. You can scream, God, I'm afraid. God, I'm worried. God, I don't know how this is going to work out. But God, thank you that the Lord is near. Thank you that you will be with me wherever I go. Thank you, God, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, God, that I can cast on you all that I'm worried about because you care for me. Thank you, God, that even though fear has torment, that your perfect love casts out all fear, everything that I'm afraid of. God, thank you that you give me peace. And here's the image that I want you to get today. It's not just like he gives you the gift of peace. Like, oh, here you go. Here's a cookie. Eat this and you won't be afraid for a few minutes. And no, it's not what he does. He says, no, no, I'm going to give you peace, the gift of peace. It transcends. It, it is above even any human understanding. And then the peace that I give you will actually guard your heart and your mind. Now, I was going to bring some people up on stage and show this, but just go with me for a second. Okay. If I am my mind, imagine people just circled around me, turned out and blocking anybody that's trying to get to me. That's the peace of God. The peace of God is standing there as a shield, 
blocking anything that would try to come against me when the enemy tries to make me afraid. I get a call from the doctor that says, hey, we want you to come back in. And all of a sudden, fear starts coming at me. It's like, oh, I don't know what they're going to find. And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding just says, no, 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 no. He's the great physician. He's a healer. He has plans for my life. God loves me. When you're standing in your home and your spouse yells at you and brings up something from your past and you're afraid, like, this may be it. They may be leaving. And the fear starts coming at you that says you're, you're going to be just like your dad and your mom or you're going to be just like your uncle and divorce is pending and divorce is looming and I don't know and that fear is coming at you. He says, no, no, no. Your marriage is actually a reflection of God's love for his people. And so husbands loving their wives and wives loving their husbands, we should forgive one another because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always forgives. No, 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 I, Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for having a plan for my life. When you're uncertain about your future, you don't know what's going to happen, and the fear starts to come at you. And you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I mean, am I going to amount to anything? Am I going to find a job? Am I going to keep a job? What about my money? What about my family? And it starts to come at you. It's like, no, no, no. For I know the plans that God has for me to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. It guards your heart and your mind. Peace is not something that you just hold on to when you need it. It's constantly there if you will lean into the love that God the Father has for you. If you and I fully believed that God loved us unconditionally, that he wants good things for us, and that God has a plan, it doesn't mean God is our genie, that he grants all of our wishes and his, the story of our lives will play out the way we wanted to write it because God is writing our story for greater purposes, for his glory and his honor and not for our satisfaction. What do I trust in? Who do I trust? Who do I go to with my fears? It's a control issue. It's a trust issue. And so today, as you weathered the snow and weathered the ice and you got out of your home, the question remains, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If anything in this season should happen, it's more than a tree, it's more than gifts, it's more than a big guy in a red suit. I love him, it's more than that. The story of Christmas for some of you today is do not be afraid. Peace I give to you. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for the chance that we have to come together and worship you and to celebrate all that you are to all of us. God, I know that there are people in this room right now who struggle with fear. They struggle with anxiety. They struggle with worry. And God, I don't believe that those things come from you. I believe that you give warning, but I don't believe that you give worry. I believe that you give us the ability to trust in you for things for our future, but I don't believe that you give us fear. And so God, today I pray that you would help us to realize your love like never before, to be reminded of the assurance of your presence everywhere that we go, that we're never alone, that you will always be with us and never leave us or forsake us, that you care for us, that you love us, 
And so God, I pray right now that the peace of God would just wrap itself around the minds and the hearts of people in this room in ways that seem unexplainable. So that the things that come at us that may breed fear or worry or anxiety in us would no longer have the ability to cause us to take our eyes off of you. But God, that you would guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus. The same Christ Jesus that the angel was foretelling to the shepherds in a field that there is good news of great joy for all the people, that a Savior had been born. So God, help us all today to realize that, to trust you like never before, and to walk in your love, which gives us perfect peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 